Welcome to Counsel the Word, the podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about biblical counseling and the problem of idleness. I'm very thankful today uh, to be talking to my good friend and fellow pastor, Keith Christensen. Uh, Keith is the associate pastor at Calvary Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, He is also on our teaching team at the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, participating in our conferences, uh, contributing to our blogs, and as today, he's contributing to our podcast. Uh, And we're also very excited that uh, Keith is going to be launching a church plant out of his home church, uh, a church plant called Christ Fellowship Bible Church, where, he'll, where he will be the preaching pastor. So we're very excited for Keith and his family and uh, for this new endeavor. So, brother, uh, so good to be talking with you today. Thanks. Likewise. Appreciate this opportunity. And, of course, because of the uh, COVID days, uh, we're recording this uh, in the COVID days, so we're meeting over technology today. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, looking forward to having a conversation with you about idleness and, uh, you know, uh, I, I can hear a lot of our listeners and, and maybe just Christians in general thinking, man, you know, uh, is it does God really care about idleness? Does the Bible have something to say about idleness? So, so maybe just to, to start off, Keith, you can help us understand, uh, is idleness really that big of a deal? That's a good question. Um, and I'll answer that by going in my Bible to the, the passage that is the longest sustained treatment of idleness, 2 Thessalonians 3, and my there's a heading in my ESV starting in verse 6, warning against idleness. Notice how strongly the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, condemns idleness. In verse 6, he says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So so often, right, when Paul will give a command, it's just a bare imperative. But, but here the command is intensified by him saying, we command you, and we command you in the name of our Lord. Here's the command that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness. So not only is the command strongly stated, I would say the content of the command is pretty uh, strong and stern itself, you know, keep away from any brother. Um, so that, that's a command in this passage to those, to the church about the idol, but there's a similarly, uh, strong command directly to the idol in verse 12. And it's intensified in the same kind of way. Second Thessalonians 3, 12. Paul says, now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So uh, also a command strongly stated. Another command in this passage so shows, and, and this is a well-known command, uh, but it shows how serious this problem could be in verse 10 where Paul says, even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. So these are strong commands, aren't they? Keep away from them. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't let them eat. 
this is this is a pretty severe kind of idleness, which which probably uh, many of us who struggle with idleness will will struggle with much more uh, softer forms of it probably. But but I think this does sufficiently show that it is a a very serious uh, thing, and it very much is part of walking worthy of the gospel, walking worthy of the calling to which we as Christians have been called, uh, walking worthy of the, of the Lord himself, like some of Paul's prayers talk about. Um, whether or not we're idle matters as to, as to whether or not we're doing that. And, and it's a good question to ask, is it really that serious? Because idleness can be particularly insidious in that it doesn't feel like we're doing anything all that bad because when we're idle, we're doing nothing, right? So how bad can nothing, doing nothing really be? Or think about Proverbs 24, you know, uh, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. I mean, how, how bad is just a little folding of the hands to rest anyway? So, so the, the problem of idleness, um, one of, one of the things that can make it destructive is, um, it can be difficult to, uh, seeing the, the severity and, and I would say even sinfulness of living in an idle way. So, you know, there's more that we could say along those lines, but that, that's how uh, I would want to answer that question, at least initially. No, that's very helpful. And, and yeah, I think, I think if we haven't read those passages recently, that's strong language for something that maybe some Christians would think is not really a big deal. So that's very enlightening and very helpful to hear. So build build on that for us a little bit. Uh, What passages might we turn to in Scripture that would help fill that out? What passages could we go to to help somebody who was being sinfully idle along the lines of what we've already read. One passage I would want to use uh, is James 4, 4.17. I'm going to turn there so I can get the words just right. James 4.17 says, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So, so this is a key text for establishing the theological category of sins of omission. As it is not just sinful to do, speak, think, desire evil. It is also sinful to not do, say, think, desire what is righteous and godly. And um, even though this passage doesn't use the word idleness or laziness or like the Proverbs, uh, slothfulness or address the sluggard, this, this characterizes the heart of what idleness is, is failing to do what is the right thing. And so... Um, that's why theologians like uh, the Puritan Richard Baxter will say that the idle man is sinning continually as long as he is idle because he is continually failing 
to do what is right. Idleness is, is continual, ongoing sins of omission. Um, and, and really, I, I would want to point this out because uh, what it will take to turn from idleness is, in, in, in ways, this is just an application of, of the basic counseling New Testament sanctification principle of put off, put on. What it is to put on zealously serving the Lord. Romans 12, 11, I believe it is. Do, do not be slothful in zeal, but serve the Lord. Or, or to, to put on working heartily for the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3, whatever you do, uh, do it, do it all. I, I'm going to turn there. Colossians 3, um, I, w- I want to quote it word perfect here. 3.23, Colossians, whatever you do, work heartily with a whole heart as for the Lord and not for men. So so the, the goal for the idle person and, and how they repent is not just to move from a state of doing basically nothing to doing something, you know, to, to trying to get your work done generally. No, what they need to aim at, what they need to put on is to do everything in a wholehearted way for the Lord Jesus. And that's something we, we, when we, when we consider that that is the put on or a scriptural put on that idleness is, um, opposed to or contrary to, that really also shows us that idleness is something that uh, I would say virtually all of us would struggle with, with some degree, because we all fall short of, of this standard of, uh, how we should work in a wholehearted way. And, and again, I, I think of Baxter, who in uh, his uh, Christian directory, kind of a Puritan biblical counseling manual, he says that duties omitted as well as duties sleepily performed is idleness. So Colossians 3, uh, 23 and 24, I would want to use. James 4, 17, I would want to use. Um, of course, uh, uh, there, the Proverbs address the sluggard in a multitude of ways and uh, draw out how uh, slothfulness is connected to um, anxiety, can be connected to covetousness and greed and discontentment, uh, that it has devastating consequences, that it is opposed to the love of neighbor, um, so, so I may want to, want to pull on those threads also, depending on the particular way in which, uh, idleness is expressing itself in, in the person I'm, I'm counseling. Uh, Galatians 6.10 is another good verse to use along the lines of James 4.17 and just establishing the, the principle of, of sins of omission. Um, Galatians, which says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Again, what is the heart of idleness? Having opportunity to do good and, and failing to do it. That, that's, that's another important way I would want to frame idleness is that 
it is especially failing to love others, to bless others, to do good to others. Second Thessalonians three, which we looked at, addresses idleness. Paul also addresses it in First Thessalonians four, eleven and twelve. And and in First Thessalonians four, it's in the context of brotherly love. In fact, Paul Paul exhorts them to love one another, to excel and abound in loving one another. And then as part of that same sentence, he says, and do your work quietly. Um, so, so idleness is, is a failure to love others. And, and, and in second Thessalonians three, it, he makes the same point. Um, it says basically don't, if you're walking in idleness, you're, you're heaping burdens on others. Well, isn't that just the exact opposite of the call to love? What is biblical love? What is the law of Christ? We carry the burdens of others. So, so that, that's one way to think about it that's been especially fruitful for me in my own struggles against idleness. Um, if I, if I'm trying to counsel my own heart out of idleness, if I'm only focused on how my idleness might negatively affect me in the future, you know, I might be able to negotiate with myself, well, I'm, I'm willing to pay that cost down the future for the sake of a little folding of the hands to rest now. But when I think about it as a failure to love others, and that right now I have a choice that by God's grace, because of the spirit that is in me, because of what the Lord Jesus has done on my behalf, I can work in a way that that not only um, prevents laying a burden on someone else, but I can work in a way where I can help get up under the burden of someone else and and fulfill the law of Christ and and walk in the love of neighbor that uh, brings glory to God and, and helps us to fulfill our role as, as image bearers. Um, so that, that's, wow. I kind of scattershot all kinds of things there, didn't I? But well, no, uh, that, I, that, I, I'm sitting here listening, going, man, the Bible really has a lot to say about this topic for something that maybe most of us don't think about very often. And, uh, that's a really good picture, uh, you know, getting up under a burden and helping others to lift it by moving away from idleness to loving God, loving neighbor in, in practical ways. So, so, so speaking of just that practicality part of this, we, we've, uh, you've given a couple of really good definitions, some quotes from uh, Puritan Richard Baxter and some passages. Translate that all now into some practical tips or practical advice. If we're counseling somebody or discipling somebody, whether formally or informally, what are some ways we can help them? to uh, turn from idleness toward a uh, grace-driven productivity uh, in the right things from Scripture? Let me answer that first with, with kind of an, an introductory statement about helping the idle before some practical suggestions. And, okay. and this is more of a methodological thing. Yeah. But, but just um, first, first Thessalonians 5 talks about helping different people in different kinds of ways. First Thessalonians 5.14, I believe it is. And it says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So 
the truly idle man, the scripture condemns it strongly in the idle, the idle man needs to be admonished strongly. And part of that is because he's, uh, he fell into idleness because of his love of ease and, and he will not be able to kind of sleepily, easily drift into repentance from idleness. So we're called to admonish the idle, but we have to remember that that idleness is not, uh, biblical idleness is not just not working. It's an unwillingness to work. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, importantly, said, if a man is not willing to work, let him not eat. So this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5 helps us to maybe adjudicate along those lines. Is someone not working because they're idle? Or is there a weakness or a faint-heartedness where encouragement or some kind of help would be more appropriate than a strong admonishment against idleness? And, and, and not even people who have some kind of, like say, physical weakness or, or uh, something that would um, hinder their ability to work. You know, they, they too also might need an admonition against idleness to some degree because there, there still can be, uh, a, de- uh, a an, an, a sinful aversion to work in their heart, an inordinate love of ease in their heart, some presence of an unwillingness to work mixed in with, a with an inability to work for one reason or I, I would want to try and keep that clear before I say, before I give people ammo to, to use in the counseling room in counseling the idol to uh, just, just remember that um, idleness is especially an unwillingness to work. Gotcha. That, and, that's that's and, a good distinction. Yeah. Okay. So specifically in counseling the idol, I would, I would want to teach them. And this is the first card I, I would want to pull in almost any counseling situation is, is teaching them to walk in repentance toward God for idleness and and faith in the gospel uh, to to confess this as sin against God as often as you find yourself falling into it and then believing in Jesus that because of what Jesus did you can be forgiven for your sinful idleness and because of what Jesus did you are empowered to be different Titus 2 and 3 is a great text to use in counseling the idol to show them the gospel's power to transform people who are like the Cretans, uh, lazy gluttons, into people who are zealous for good works, right? Titus 1, uh, the end of chapter 1 describes Cretans as lazy. The end of chapter 2 talks about the gospel makes us uh, zealous and, and able to devote ourselves to to uh, works that are good. Um, and, and doing that also, if you start out that way, it helps them frame, well, I'm just not making things harder for myself at some point down the road through my procrastination. This actually has to do with my relationship with God. This is sin against God who made me in his image. Um, I, I would uh, want to also teach them that they need to uh, repent toward anyone who, if they choose idleness, anyone that that might burden. 
right? Because ask, ask for forgiveness from them. If, if there's an obvious way that, that, that negatively affects them again, to try and teach them to see that this is an issue of, uh, love of neighbor. Um, it's, it's a great idea to encourage the idol to maybe write out a schedule and then set up some accountability for them to see if they're using their time well. And, and if not, why not? And, and that could be something like an hourly schedule, or you can change the increments of time that, that, you know, they write out a plan for how they're going to use the day. Um, it, it could just be, you know, encouraging them to set up a to-do list each day. And, and, and one, one person that, that I worked with who struggled with this, I had them write a, uh, a to-do list each day and I had them then rank, rank those tasks in what was easiest. That, that's a, an idleness technique that uh, all of us probably go to. We have four things to do and which one do we choose to do? The one that's easiest, not, not the one that's necessarily the most pressing. Um, so put them in the order of uh, things that he needs to do as far as what's most important now. And then I would tell him to, to pray before at the beginning of the day through that list, pray before he tried to accomplish the first task. God help me, give me the strength to do this, to do it for you, to do it wholeheartedly then to devote himself to that task. And then when he was done, pray, say, God, thank you. God, would you please establish the work of my hands? Uh, I do this in a fallen world. You know, the my effort to do this task might yield thorns and thistles. It might be fruitful, uh, futile, but, but I did it for you. And I want to ask that you would cause it to bear fruit, that it really would do good to others and honor you. And to just move through the list of daily responsibilities like that. Um, you, you could encourage uh, an idle person along the lines of radical amputation. Matthew 5, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Make a list of things they typically do um, to, to fill their time instead of take care of their daily responsibilities. Uh, I, I have this on one note listed as a busybody list in First Timothy 5. Paul was concerned that some widows, uh, if they were supported by the church, that they would end up becoming idle and busy bodies. Typically, we think of idleness as people who just lay on their couch binge watching Netflix or something. But actually, an idle person might feel or look very busy, quote unquote, and that their life is full of activity. Um it's something I saw Tim Challey's article called Lazy Busy. So so make a list of the things that, that you typically do instead of being busy with with your daily responsibilities, with, with the work that, that you know God has called you to. And then if appropriate, right, uh make no make no provision for the flesh. Try and try and cut off the hand to uh, if necessary to to prevent access to these uh these things that that stand in the way of of someone working for the lord so you know get uh get rid of the xbox if if you're tempted to to um play it for 4 hours a young man 4 hours a night so he wakes up uh very sleepy and so he can't do his 
let, let's, let's put that on your busy body list and, uh, let, let's cut that off for a while until you, and until you can, uh, by God's grace, establish a pattern of, of walking in, in repentance and obedience in this matter. Um, of course, instruct them in God's purposes for work to, to show the dignity and honor of work and how it really does bring glory to God and, and do good to others. Um, I, I, I could add more, but, but those, those are a, a good place at least to start, I think. No, they're very helpful. And it's neat to see a lot of those scriptures that you mentioned, how they translate into practical help and counsel. And uh, those are some great suggestions in terms of assignments and, and things that we can encourage people to do. So, well, brother, we're out of time, but uh, I'm so thankful for this conversation today. I think it's been very helpful to me and, and hopefully will be to our listeners. So uh, thanks for being with us today on Council to Work. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to Council the Word. For more information about Pastor Keith Christensen and the ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas, you can visit them on their website, which is cbcfortworth.org. And for more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, you can visit us at our website, which is thecbcd.org.